Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. Jackson opened up the the series last week and kind of talked big picture how he relates with the other individuals in the Trinity, both uh, the Father and the Son, and we, we talked about how he is both unified with them as well as distinct from them. Unified in the sense that they are all God. We are a monotheistic uh, people, monotheistic believing people, that, that we believe that God is one, mono, un right? One God. And so they're unified together, yet he's also distinct. Though they all together are God, one being, he he is a a distinct person in that Trinity that does distinct things from the the Son and the Father. And together they work in our lives. And so um, he kind of laid out that for us last week. Um, But tonight, I want tonight to now um, pave the way for the next four weeks. Okay, so this is going to lay the groundworks and kind of be the precursor to what the next four weeks are going to look like and kind of um, give you just a little bit of a taste of what everything, um, how, where we're going and, and what all we're going to be looking at, okay? And so um, preparing us for the next four weeks in this series. And uh, so here's the flow of the series, okay, <clears throat> on the screen. This is the flow of uh, where we're going. First, we're going to talk about next week, and this will be from Abby. And Abby's going to be talking about this idea of regeneration. Okay, I think that it's good to talk about um, biblical and theological terms, though they kind of look like really big words and technical terms. I think it's good to know these words. Um, regeneration is what Abby's talking about. And that's the first work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And that is where he gives us a new heart. A new heart where he would make us a new being and, uh, and he would take what the Bible calls our heart of stone that is dead inside and cannot beat. And whenever we would put our faith in him, he makes it a heart of flesh that beats and it's alive and it's, and it's, uh, and it's animated by God that we now have new life. We're dead bodies resurrected into new life. And so he gives us new hearts, okay? So this is the first work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Abby's talking about next week. And then after Abby, Autumn's gonna jump in and she's gonna talk about this word called sanctification. Okay, so once he brings us from death to life, now he's going to work on us and grow us away from our old habits into new and godly and pure habits. This is a, a, a word called sanctification, where he makes us holy. It's a process of making us more like him. So we're, we're at one point, one second from death to life. That's a one second work that he does. He makes us new. He gives us a new heart. But this next part is the ongoing, from that point on, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, everyone tracking with me so far? First, he regenerates us. Then he is sanctifying us moving forward. And then the last two weeks, I'm going to be talking about how he empowers us. He empowers us. And, and so now we start to see all these different things that he does in our lives. And he, he gives us um, capabilities to, to work and to show his power in the world. And that's where you start to see uh, healings. That's where you start to see people speaking in tongues. 
Uh, that's where you start to see prophecy, words from God, and, and all these different things that, that we see in the body of Christ. And so um, the thing is, though, that we start to really focus on this last part with the Holy Spirit. Am I right? Can you give me that? I think, I think we kind of forget about how he makes us um, a, a new person. Maybe we think that Jesus saves us from our sins, and that's about all uh, that we think about when it comes to our salvation. But the Holy Spirit works in our salvation. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, you could not be saved because you could not be made new and uh, have a new heart. We don't think about that. We don't think about how he's the one that is helping us break that addiction. We don't think about it. It's God's power in us, the Spirit who allows us to fight temptation. That is his sanctifying work. And normally we just kind of get stuck in this last thing that he does. He empowers us. Well, that's why I want to title tonight as we lay out the groundwork for these three topics. I want to title tonight, Spirit Empowerment is Downstream. Spirit empowerment is downstream. So that last, that last thing that he does, that is downstream from the other two. It happens after those, others two, those other two. Because if you look, you see those arrows? That's intentional. Because out of one flows the next, and out of that next flows the other. And so we see a progression, a flowing. So it's safe to say that your regenerated heart, okay, track with me here, your regenerated heart flows into holy living. It is what allows you to be a holy person that you have a new heart, right? Tracking with me? So your new heart flows into, now you're growing to be a holy person. And as you grow into being a new holy person, from that flows empowerment. And God using you in special ways. You can flip it and make it all negative, right? That, that if, you are, if your heart is against God, out of that flows that you will have unholy living tendencies. You, you won't be holy. You won't be living for God. If your heart is against God, then you won't be living for God. And if you won't be living from God, outflows from that that you won't see the Spirit working in supernatural ways in your life. So out of each flows the next. So to focus on just the, the first one, that your new heart makes holy living in your life. Out of a regenerated heart or a new heart flows holy living. That doesn't mean you're perfect living, okay? So this is really important because I think a lot of us struggle with feeling like we have to be perfect if we're a Christian. If we're not perfect and we struggle with this sin here and just a little bit there and we really can't quite get um, away from that sin, maybe, maybe you have that sin on your mind right now and you can't break that sin, then you feel like that you aren't really loving Jesus and you don't actually have a heart that loves Jesus just because you struggle with that sin. Maybe that's you and you're like, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I have a regenerated heart. I don't know if he gave me a new heart. I don't know if I'm saved because I'm not actually living perfect is what you're thinking because you still turn away from Jesus sometimes. The Bible doesn't say that you have to be perfect to have proof of a new heart. You have to be growing in holiness and loving Jesus to have a new heart. Okay, so 1 John 1.8, if you wanna write that down, 1 John 1.8 says that if we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. You catch that? That's a Christian speaking to other Christians saying, if you think you're without sin, you're a liar. 
And so you don't have to be without sin, but if you look at Galatians 5.22, it shows that the fruit of the Spirit in you is, who can, who can say it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, look at you guys. Oh, man, it's like music to my ears. That's incredible. Nice. So that's the fruit. So you guys track it with me. That's the fruit. So you don't have to be perfect. He says, if you say that you are without sin, then you're a liar. You don't have to be perfect as proof that you have a new heart. But the new heart does have fruit, evidence, things that will follow. You will grow in your love for people. You will grow in your patience and your kindness and your gentleness. But hear me, this is so important. Do not expect to grow in your holiness if your heart isn't touched by Jesus. You won't grow in holiness. You will not conquer that sin if Jesus has not touched your heart first. You cannot in yourself fight that sin. You can't beat that sin. Your heart must be new from God if you want to conquer that sin. And then if you go to the next part, how a holy life flows into empowerment. A holy life leads to more supernatural empowerment. You shouldn't expect empowerment, okay? If you're, if you're seeking to speak in tongues, if you're seeking to heal and, and be used by God in incredible and mighty ways that we see in the book of Acts, if you're looking for that, you shouldn't expect it if you're not concerned about your holy living from day to day. If you're not concerned about it, if you don't care about how you're living and how you're representing God in your life and in your desires and your cravings and your thoughts, if you aren't concerned about those things, but you want to speak in tongues on Sunday during the gathering, it's not going to happen you shouldn't expect empowerment if you aren't concerned about holy living. Out of holy living flows your empowerment. That, that's how it flows. That's how it goes. If you, if you know the passage in Acts chapter 8, I'll, I'll summarize it really quickly. But there's a story, okay? Everyone likes stories. Um, there's a guy named Peter. There's a guy named John. And these guys go to this place where they're hearing that individuals are starting to know the name of Jesus. And they go to where they would, that they would experience the, um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into that community. Okay, so they're like, we want you guys to experience the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. And so they go to this place, Acts chapter eight, you can find this, Acts chapter eight. And they, they show up and they start laying hands on people. And when they lay hands on these people, these people start speaking in tongues. And they start doing incredible things. And and this individual, Simon, not Samuel, Simon comes up and says, I want, I want to experience this. How much does it cost? Can I give you money? Okay, and he thinks that he can buy the capability to do miraculous things when he lays hands on people. He wants that to where he can make some money off it. He says, how much does it cost? I'll buy it from you. Give me that secret, and, I, and I'll do that. Okay? So, they, so he's looking for empowerment, right? He's looking for empowerment, and he's got the wrong motive, and look at what Peter says. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. For, why does he have no portion or part in the empowerment of God? For your heart is not right before God. Holy living and a holy desire to work with God and to walk with God and to learn about God. If you have the right motive and you have the right heart, as you grow in that, that leads to empowerment. If you have no concern for that and you still want the secret power, as if that's what it is, read Acts 8. You have no part in that, for your heart is not right before God. 
So what does he point him to do? He says, therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. So he's saying, you're not ready for empowerment. If you go, to the, if you go back to this, you're not ready for the empowerment, but you need to focus on having a new heart. You need to pray for forgiveness because right now your money can perish with you. He's saying, you're not even saved. So you don't need to be concerned about being empowered. You need to be concerned about being saved. Out flows from one the other and he was jumping way ahead of himself. Jumping way ahead of himself. So since they flow out of one another, this is where I want to go tonight. I want to speak to the individual that's jumping way ahead of themselves. That is so focused on empowerment and wanting to see God use them in incredible ways. And, and to see incredible things happen in their, their life. They want to see empowerment. They want to see the spirit move and, and physical manifestations in their life. I want to speak to that individual who's maybe focusing on that, but forgetting about the things that come before it. I want to say you don't need to focus on where you are, okay? You're not going to get spiritual empowerment, the Holy Spirit flowing um, from you in, do, in using miraculous or in miraculous ways just because you're in some dark worship room, the lights are turned down real low and the music is real loud and you're at youth camp, so it's perfect, the season's right, and uh, that, that's not what you need to be focused on. You don't need to be focused on the saying the right words. As long as I just say the right words or I'm crying hard enough, that's what, no, you don't need to focus on that. What you need to focus on is your holy living and your heart for God. That's what leads to empowerment. That, that is the, that's the trail to empowerment. So let's talk for the rest of this time here together real quick. Practical steps in seeking spiritual empowerment. Because I know a lot of you want to see empowerments of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want to see those things happen in your life. And so what are the practical steps to seeking spiritual empowerment? Sarah and I last night were uh, hanging out with some friends at European Cafe. You ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, on the tables um, there, there's like some brain teaser cards. It makes me just feel real dumb, but Sarah's incredible at them. And so uh, she's like, a lot of them are like math. If the train is moving 45 miles an hour and, and you're trying to get from this city to this city and the distances, you know, so whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, just, you know, and I, I'm so burnt out on these like brain teaser cards. And Sarah's like, okay, so, and she's like running all the numbers and she's like, pretty sure it's 3.28 minutes. What do you think? And it's exactly right. It was driving me crazy. So um, anyway, so we were doing that brain teaser. So here's a brain teaser for you. <clears throat> a man is living. His house is built right next to a river and that's where he gets his water in the morning. Well, one day the water dries up, okay? And it's flowing from the north to the south. He's right in the middle, and it dries up. He has no water, so he's like, what do I do? So he moves further south, and still it's dried up. He's like, what in the world? And so he moves further south, and it's still dried up, and he has no idea what's going on. Why am I not able to find the flow of water? Anyone have any thoughts? Why can he not flow, find any water? Because he's going the wrong way, and he needs to go north. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Exactly. You need to go upstream. I think the same is true in our spiritual life, okay? We're not seeing God move in a certain way in our life. It's like dry water in the river. We're not seeing what's happening. We're getting frustrated and we have no idea what's happening. But what we need to do is move upstream to find where the block is, okay? We need to go upstream and find where is the block at. So, I think... When it comes to specifically this topic, many of us are wanting to um, 
see God use us in either prophesying or speaking in tongues. And what we need to do is move upstream to find out, am I living a holy life? Or do I even have a heart for Jesus? What else could be leading to this not um, regularly occurring in my life? And so um, let's look at this. What specifically should we look at upstream? What should we look at upstream? Rather than just focusing on, I want to speak in tongues, I want to speak in tongues, I want to speak in tongues. That's not what the Bible would call us to do. Instead, we should look at other things. What specifically should we look at? One, I think you should look at, do you have a heart that loves God? That sounds really basic, really really trivial, but I think we need to think about, do I have a heart that loves Jesus? If you don't have this, you won't see the other. Look at this. If you don't have a heart for God, don't expect holy living. And if you don't have holy living, and if you don't have a heart, then you shouldn't expect empowerment. If you don't have this, this might be the block. If you keep going with that parable or analogy, you won't see anything in the other two. Do you have a heart that loves God? I don't want you to be scared thinking, oh man, maybe this is mine. This, maybe this is me. I don't, I don't love God. I don't, I, maybe I'm not saved. And I don't, this, isn't, this isn't to scare you, okay? This is, this is not to scare you, but this is to ensure you and strengthen your confidence that you do, in fact, love God. That's what, that's what I hope to get out of this and to ensure you that, get this, you love Jesus, not that you are perfect. That's not what you're looking for. A new heart doesn't mean you're perfect. A new heart means that you love God. Look at these texts, okay? Acts 16, 31. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's that simple. It's that simple. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I'm not trying to scare anyone or rock anyone's boat or faith. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and you know that he's Lord and Savior, that he is in fact God and he was perfect and he took the punishment for your sins and now you can trust in him that he took away all your sin and your guilt, then you are saved. That's it. That's how it is. And you can find confidence in that. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You are saved. Next verse says, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you can say right now, and mean it, and believe it, and it's true in your heart that Jesus is Lord, means that he is everything in your life that he is priority over anyone and anything else in your life, that he really is your first and only concern in your life, that he is your Lord and your master forever. If you can say that, then the Holy Spirit lives within you. Do you hear that? If you can say that, the Holy Spirit lives within you. So I don't want to rock anyone's faith or make anyone concerned. But you have to consider, do you have a heart that loves God? Because some might not. Do you have a heart that loves God? Going to church isn't loving God. Growing up in church isn't loving God. And I want you to catch that. If that is you, do you love God? And do you really make him your Lord and Savior? Do you make him your greatest love? And are you most satisfied in him over anything else? Is he your great satisfaction? Growing up in church doesn't make that happen. Deciding that makes that happen. Until you know that for sure, nothing else needs to matter. 
Until you know for a fact that you have a heart that loves God, I would not be concerned about speaking in tongues. I wouldn't be concerned about prophesying. I would be concerned, do I love you with all my heart, God? And that's what you need to be spending time focusing on. That's what you need to be on your face tonight praying about is, do I love you with all my heart? If this is you and you're like, I don't know if I could call him Lord and Savior. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know then. That's what you need to be on your face praying about. You don't need to be worrying about anything else but that. Look upstream. Second, and the last thing, Look and to see if your life is committed to holiness, okay? Because if you have a new heart and he really is your Lord and Savior, but you aren't necessarily committed to giving him everything and that your life isn't committed to absolute holiness, you should not anticipate him to move in miraculous ways in your life. That's just how it is. You must be committed to holiness. And when I say that you must be committed to holiness, catch this. That one includes that you are committed to fighting and killing sin. That you're committed to fighting and killing your sin. Are you committed to that tonight? Look at what it says in Romans 13, 14. We'll start in verse 13 to give some context. It says, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife, and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and what? Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Kill your sin. That's what he's saying. Kill the sin. Kill the desire before it starts to grow in your mind. Kill it. Kill the sin. You have to be committed to killing sin in your life. Don't entertain the sinful thought. Okay, so let's make this practical. Whenever you're on your phone, how many people have phones and social media on your phone? Okay, so before you start to go and click on, say, that individual that maybe is a little racy, like a little, like, oh, I don't know if I should actually be looking at their content. Before you're like, ah, you know, I'm just going to click on it. If it is bad, I'll, I'll zoom out. No, just kill it there. Don't gratify your desire to find out what maybe is going to be on their page. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about here. Kill it before it starts to even have a chance to grow in your, in your mind and in your thoughts. If you're frustrated with somebody... And you start the sentence saying, it's their fault that I hate them because, just kill that thought right there. Because it's you that's wrestling with the hate. They might have done something wrong to you, justify your frustration, but if you have hate harbored in your heart for them, kill the thought that it's their fault and start to justify yourself and your hate for somebody. Kill that right there. That's what he's talking about. You're gratifying your desire to make yourself feel okay about what you're doing that's wrong. Kill that thought there. And you can't, just, you can't just suppress it, okay? So killing a, the sin in your life isn't just suppressing it. Like, oh, I just don't want to think about it right now. You know, and just trying to like push it to the back of your mind. I think sometimes that's what we think killing um, sin in our life is. It's so much more than suppressing it. You have to take it, know what it is, pronounce that it's sin in your life, and hate it. You can't just say, ah, oh, I just, ah, oh, I got to think about something else, you know, and just try not to think about it. You have to know what it is and kill it, not just try to push it to the back of your mind. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is what he says about that exact thing. He says, if you only repress the temptation at the first motion of the sin within you, it will probably come back, come up again, and that time much more strongly. When you feel that motion of sin, expose the sin and say, this is evil. This is the thing that drove Adam out of the paradise. Pull it out, look at it, denounce it, and hate it for what it is then you will have really dealt with it. Trying to push it to the back of your mind for it to come up later isn't killing your sin. Know that it's sin. 
and grow to hate it. Grow to hate it. Are you committed to fighting sin? And not only fighting sin, but are you committed to running from sin to Jesus? Look at what Philippians says. Philippians 4, it says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So whenever you've, you've had that thought about that individual or, or going to that website and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just push it to the back of my mind for it to come up later. I'm going to say out loud maybe. Maybe that's helpful for you. That is sin and I want to hate this. I don't want to do this. I will hate this and then run to what is true, what is noble, what is right. Run to Jesus and think about him. Begin to just think on your minds and maybe open your Bible. Start to read that. This is how you commit yourself to fighting and killing sin and growing in holiness. Killing sin, killing sin, not just suppressing it, killing sin and running to Jesus. So look upstream. Is your life committed to holiness? Is your life committed? Are you personally committed to killing sin? The sin that you're struggling with. Are you committed to killing that, fighting that, and committed to running to Jesus in its place? If you're seeking spiritual empowerment and giftings, you need to think about this kind of thing before that ever is going to show up. Are you committed to holiness in your life? I uh, want to wrap up with this. Sarah and I wanted, uh, I'm not making an announcement here. We're not pregnant, but I've wanted a baby for a long time, okay? So I'll just start with that before you're like, wait, is he going to say something? Uh, it's not happening. We're not pregnant. Um, we're not pregnant. Right, okay, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so I've wanted, I've, I've wanted a baby, like, since, like, day one when we got married. I'm like, so what do you think, nine months from now? And so Sarah's like, no. And so, um, but I've, I've just always really, I'm really excited for whenever we have a, a kid and um, raise him up a little theologian. But um, I'm excited for that. And, but, <laughs> um, but honestly, if I'm thinking about it, I'm so glad that we didn't. Uh, try to have a, a baby right as soon as we got married because I don't think I was ready at that point. Um, I, I don't think I'm ready now either, but I'm certainly much more ready, I think much more mature in the last uh, few years that we've been married, couple years that we've been married um, than I was then. And so um, I wanted it, but I certainly wasn't ready for it. Um, Sarah and I really needed that time, those few years, to really just grow in our love for one another, grow in our relationship. I wanted it, but I, didn't, um, I wasn't ready for it. And I think maybe that's true for a lot of us when it comes to um, uh, being used in supernatural and spiritual ways. We want it, um, but we really need time to grow with God and strengthen our relationship with him and strengthen um, some different areas that we might be lacking and not fully committed to him and giving to him. And so uh, not that you have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear that. Um, whenever you see somebody that uses a supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean that they're just an elite Christian that is like way better than you. That's not the case. God can empower whoever he wants to empower. You need to hear that. It's not like you get past a certain part in the meter and it's like, okay, you're finally ready. You've, you've hit that part. Your credit score is high enough. Like that's not what, um, he can empower who he wants to empower. He can use people that even aren't saved. I mean, because he's God and he can do what he wants. Um, but I think we need to be concerned about preparing the field, so to speak, so that he can use us. 
when he's ready to give that gift. I think, I think we need to begin preparing ourselves and growing in our holiness. And rather than just every single night just praying for um, such a gifting, even though during the day we're struggling with such and such sin, I think maybe we just need to prepare and work on ourselves uh, to where we can lead to that later on. We might want it, but maybe we're not ready for it. And, uh, and we need to be more concerned about our, our life living for him. Um, I do want to say this before we go into time of just prayer and just really working through this stuff. Um, I want to say thing, some, one thing, two things actually, two things. Um, when it comes to fighting sin, when I'm addressing you fighting sin and, and trying to grow in your holiness, I need to be very clear on two things. One, that your progress in fighting sin doesn't affect God's love for you, okay? So this whole time that I'm talking to you about saying you need to fight sin and try to work hard and grow and toil and, and just really, you know, all that, all that, I want you to know that doesn't affect God's love for you. God loves you regardless of how long it takes to break or fight or kill some sin. You need to hear that. Um, yes, we should toil. The Bible talks about that. We should work hard and strain but it doesn't affect God's love for you. Know that, okay? So yes, toil. Yes, work hard. Yes, prepare yourself. Strengthen yourself in holiness. Yes, do that. But don't think that for a second that it wavers God's love for you. Second, your fight against sin is not all on your shoulders. You need to hear that too. Not only does it not affect God's love for you, but it's not all on you. God is working with you, and he's working in you against your sin. And so... Um, it's not all on your shoulders, and it's not just all up to you. Because if it was all up to you, you wouldn't kill the sin. <laughs> and I wouldn't either. God's with you in it. And so um, be encouraged by that. So um, I didn't have this as a slide, but I think I can go back far enough. I didn't plan on saying this, but whenever we go into... Um, Whenever we go into campfire, or not campfire groups, into response time, we're going to have some music um, playing, and we're going to have some time uh, seeking God. I want, I want you to really consider where am I on the river, okay? Where am I on the river? Do I need to be praying that God would really strengthen my love for him, that I truly do have a, a heart that loves God? Do I really have a heart that can say Jesus is my Lord and Savior? He's my priority. priority he's my everything. Or are you kind of like, ah, I really need to maybe um, be more sure? that that's where I'm at, where I can say that with absolute confidence. Maybe that's you, and I would say, don't worry about empowerment. Don't worry about praying for that. Start to really lock in. I know that you're my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to be sure of that. I'm certain of that. I can say with confidence, you are my king. Maybe that's you, and maybe you need to be praying about that, or maybe you are certain about that. You know that he is your Everything, he is your Lord and Savior, but you need to really start focusing on, um, God, can I give you just everything? I want to surrender all to you, and uh, maybe that's what you need to be praying about before you ever get to just praying, God, would you give me spiritual giftings? I don't think it's a bad thing to pray for, but I think a lot of the times we get there way prematurely, uh, way sooner than we need to, because I think sometimes we need to work out some other things in our life. And so um, just know that. With that being said, you guys want to stand up and spread out. You want to stand up and spread out. Maybe find a place that you're going to really just contest with God and just pray with him. Um, I'll ask you a few questions here. Maybe it will help you get started in your conversations with God. But where do you need to focus your attention? Is it your heart? Like I just said before, is it your heart? Does it beat for God as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe it's your commitment to holiness. Do you need to pray to God by your commitment to holiness? Are you needing to kill sin and run more to Jesus, run faster to Jesus? Maybe that's, maybe that's what you need to be talking with God about.
But if you're praying for and seeking empowerment, maybe, maybe that's the prayer that you need to be praying tonight, and that's perfectly fine, and that's good. That's a good prayer to have. If you are praying and seeking for empowerment, miraculous works of the Spirit to happen in your life, know that it's in His timing. Know that it's in His timing. Don't be discouraged. It's in His timing. All we can do is ready ourselves for what He has to offer when He wants to offer it. All we can do is just ready ourselves and pray for it and believe and trust. Amen. the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.